from iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Secure our territory. Secure our turf. Because it's all our turf. Elite, Kenny and the Bucks, listen This that undisputed, yeah, we're here to shock the system This a war zone going down on Wednesday nights This a fight, this is NXT vs. Dynamite Weekly battles, ratings shattered, this a revolution This is change to what the game is used to doing This is all about that dark and light contrast Welcome to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast Welcome, everybody, to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, Mike De Niro. Before we get into the show today, I just want to thank all our subscribers from all over the world. Thank you so much. It's your support that keeps us going. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Thank you for the rates, reviews. Thank you for following on Instagram at Fight for Wednesday Night. Thanks for checking out our YouTube at Fight for Wednesday Night. Let's get into the show. I hope everyone had a great week. I know I sure did. It was definitely a week of still being quarantined and stuck in the house, but it was also a week of great wrestling. Now, not to get too much into it, I would be a bad wrestling podcaster if I did not mention WrestleMania this past weekend. I I liked it for what it was. I definitely was a big fan of night one. You could definitely see the effort of every wrestler that was there. They were giving a WrestleMania-style performance, even though there was nobody there. The heart of WrestleMania was still at the Performance Center, which was nice to see. Uh, night 2 is where you could kind of miss me. I, I was not a fan of the Firefly Funhouse match. I thought I was on acid. Um, wasn't really a fan of Edge and Randy Orton. I feel like that went a little too long. Um, but overall, I'm happy with some of the decisions. I'm happy for Drew McIntyre winning the champion. I am happy that... Charlotte is, even though I love Ray Ripley, I'm happy that Charlotte is the NXT champion. And yeah, I mean, overall, WrestleMania, it was okay for what it was. I appreciate the effort, and I appreciate them giving us a show anyway. But I think that if you're going to talk about this week and you want to talk about great professional wrestling, we have to get into the shows tonight that I just finished seeing. Four hours of professional wrestling, great wrestling, that is. AEW and NXT both killed it tonight. So I want to get started with AEW tonight, being that that was the show that I actually watched first this week. So 
AEW started out a little differently. We started out right off the bat with a promo from Jake the Snake Roberts, which week in and week out, these promos are just off the chain. He's showing why he's the man at this, how he has no competition when it comes to the promos. He's continuing to call out Cody. I don't know if this is going to lead to Archer versus Cody in the finals of the TNT tournament since they are on separate sides of the bracket. I know last week when I was giving my predictions of how this could go, I did not give that one. I don't know why I was so blinded to see that, hey, Archer versus Cody could be the finals for this, which would make a lot of sense being that that's the storyline that they're going in. But yeah, so you have Jake the Snake Roberts, who's basically calling Cody out again, calling him a chicken. He called him a mouse here. He said, squeak up, says speak up. But yeah, so it was a good way to start off the show with a really good promo. Right after this, we seen Lance Archer actually come out and we had a quick squash match against, well, for Lance Archer against this guy named Alan Angels or Angles. I'm not too sure. I think uh, Chris Jericho, who, by the way, was on commentary tonight with Tony Schiavone. I think he called him Angles and Angels at one point. So I don't know his exact name, but this match went literally like two or three minutes. It was a good showcase for Archer just to keep him strong and show what he could do. Um, Yeah, this match was really, really quick. And it was a good... I don't know about placement on the show, but it was a good squash because this is what a squash match is supposed to be like. It's supposed to be a match where you're going to enhance the talent that you're trying to showcase here. And this definitely made Lance Archer look like a freaking monster like they did last week. I think even more this week because he made very quick work of this guy. After this, we have a uh, match between Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida. Now... AEW was going rapid fire here because I looked at the time and it was only like five or six minutes into the show that we were already on our second match and we had a promo. So they were going with speed here. Now, Hikaru Shida and Britt Baker put on one hell of a performance. This is by far, in my opinion, Britt Baker's best showing in AEW. I know I've said that for other matches before. This topped those. Hikaru Shida is solid every single time she's in the ring. She has great matches with everybody that she's in there with. And I was really interested and excited to see Shida versus Britt Baker. If I'm not mistaken, I think that they actually wrestled maybe in the early weeks, but I'm not 100% sure. All I know is this felt like it was a very fresh matchup for both. And if they didn't wrestle, then I'm glad that they saved it because these are the two... I wouldn't say the top females in the division, but definitely you have two females here that are showcased on a regular basis, which was nice to see them give us this match. Um, Yeah, Britt Baker here was playing the heel perfectly. She really lived up to the role of this new character that she's going with. And not only that, but she was very vicious too. She was giving more strikes, more punches, more punches right to the face, more just like, kicking her in the gut just like real striking here which was really cool because you see a vicious side of her that we've seen in the past where she wrestled um what's her name emmy sakura so we've seen some of that side of her again tonight what made this match to me was it looked like Britt baker broke her nose in this match she got busted open badly like she was pouring blood out of her nose like a faucet from a kick that Hikaru Shida I think it was either a kick or a knee to the face from Hikaru Shida and talk about blood like she was looking like 
a freaking fountain here of just blood. It was just a great visual for the match, but it was just hard to watch at times because blood was just pouring out her face. And it did, I guess, add to the match because it brought out a whole nother side of Britt Baker here. It brought out more intensity. We see her like laughing and smiling, which was funny. And then she had a lot of character development, I think, because even when she tried to get the lockjaw on, since Paul Turner, the referee, had gloves on because of the blood, she refused to put her hand in Sheeta's mouth because I guess the whole coronavirus thing. So she made Paul Turner take off his glove and give it to her so she could put the glove in her mouth. It was really cool. Great matchup. Hikaru Shida comes out with the victory, which was really big for her because she stays strong. She beats the poster child in a way of AW's females division. And I really think that it's just inevitable that we see Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida. So it was a great way to keep her strong. After this, we got... A Kenny Omega promo where he's talking with his friend Michael Nakazawa and they have a match later on in the night against the best friends and they were trying to come up with a tag team name and Nakazawa said that he wanted the name of the tag team to be the best friends and Kenny said he can't do that because there's already a best friends team and Nakazawa said you're EVP you can make it happen so it was really funny how this whole vignette played out because then you had uh, Orange Cassidy in their trailer bathroom, just spying on them. And then the best friends came out, setting up the match for the night. It was a funny promo. We get to see a comedy side of Kenny Omega that we see once in a while, which was really cool because lately he's been very business orientated and just, I guess, serious Kenny Omega, cleaner Kenny Omega. So it was nice to see a lighter side of Kenny Omega during these hard times. Just like last week, we got more development in the matchup for next week with Mox and Hager. Not one, but two vignettes and video packages on this show was dedicated to this match for next week, and they were really well done. Going into the training camp of Jake Hager, showing the mind of Jake Hager and his dedication and being a two-sport athlete, giving us thoughts and opinions and words from John Moxley, which the guy is a great talker, so it was always a plus to have Moxley on the show talking. I really like this. It did kill a lot of time on the show, and it wasn't like I was looking at the time, like, all right, when is this going to end? It was two long video packages that I was on the edge of my seat thoroughly enjoying. Jake Hager is definitely a better talker than I gave him credit for because I think that he did really well in this and really portrayed himself as, like, a badass and John Moxley, like I said last week, is a badass. We all know that. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. I know that next week they're going to have an empty arena match for the World Heavyweight Championship. I mean, every match in wrestling right now is an empty arena match. So it's a little weird that they're promoting it that way. But I'm really excited to see this title match. I don't think that John Moxley actually had a title defense since winning the belt at Revolution. So this would be the first title defense. And it's going to be... One hell of a title of defense going against Jake Hager, who's undefeated at the time. Well, at the moment. We then get a video package with, like, explaining the TNT title with Cody, where he's explaining how this really came from TNT and Warner Media. They really wanted to have a belt that represents them. And I think that's really awesome because it's not often that you see, like, a channel or a company that you're working with really take pride in their show. Like, there's no USA Network Championship. There's no Impact Wrestling Access TV Championship or MLW BN Sports Championship. So it's cool that TNT is really taking, like, taking a, I don't know, like, a role of 
partnership and not just you're just a show on our channel. It's we're partners here. I really like that because it does strengthen the partnership between the two. And I hope that this leads to just a stronger partnership between AEW and TNT. I know that protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. He did sign for another four years, so AEW is going to be on TNT for a while. And I think that this is a great route to go. I like how they explained why the TNT title is to be. We then get the match between the best friends and Kenny Omega and Nakazawa. And I know they were trying to go with the comedy route here, but this match really didn't do it for me. I was excited after last week having Kenny Omega and Trent Beretta's great match. I was excited for this tag match. I know Hangman Page wasn't there. He can't make it because of the whole shutdowns. So it was understandable why it was not Hangman Page in the Nakazawa role here. But, I mean, I'm not a fan of Michael Nakazawa. If this is the last time I see Michael Nakazawa, it's probably one match too many. It's all comedy gimmick. He has too many... I guess too many props. He has baby oil. He has the thong that he pulls out of his trunks. He's not that good of a wrestler. And then you're teaming him up with a guy who's considered the best wrestler in the world. And then you have a comedy gimmick like the best friends who are also really good wrestlers. But now they're trying to carry this to a good match when Kenny Omega is playing more of the comedy role with Nakazawa. It just really seemed like... Don't get me wrong, there was good action, there was good moves in the match, but it just seemed like a skippable match. And if I'm one of those viewers who is flipping back and forth between AEW and NXT, and I see Nakazawa pouring baby oil all over himself and pulling out a thong, I'm switching the channel to NXT. And that's coming from someone who's a diehard AEW fan and been praising Kenny Omega, and I'm saying during a Kenny Omega match, I would switch the channel to NXT. So... I don't know. This wasn't my cup of tea. It's whatever. Hopefully this is not something that they continue with. I really don't care for Nakazawa. I'm sorry. 
After this, we got the Exalted One with a vignette like he's been doing on a weekly basis. He basically is continuing to take little snubs at Miss McMahon. Here we see three members of the Dark Order standing outside while the Exalted One comes out of his car. And he's just in a suit. And then you got one of the members of the Exalted... Well, one of the members of the Dark Order dressed in the suit. And then you got two members of the Dark Order dressed in, like, a track suit. Like, the basically, the, the suits or the, the attire that we've seen number eight and number nine wrestle in last week. So when Brody Lee sees this, he confronts the members of the Dark Order that is not dressed in the suit. And he's basically saying, you have to be a good representative of the Dark Order. You look like everybody else here. And he points to the member of the Dark Order with the suit on. He says, this is how you dress. Come with me. I have an opportunity for you. And this is another snub at Vince McMahon. Um, People may not know, but at one point there was a dress code in WWE where Vince McMahon basically forced every wrestler on the roster and every member of the production team to wear suits to the show. He was really pushing this dress code and it's an inside thing that not the average viewer would know. So it's not something that people are like, oh, that's Vince McMahon. But if you like know the stories, if you basically quote unquote know the inside baseball here, you know that this is a Vince McMahon like snub. And I don't know if this is the route that they're going to go with Brody Lee, but this is week three where he's taking shots at Vince. This is the fourth week of him being on AEW with the Vince McMahon reference. I don't know. I don't know if you want to build up months and months and months for this exalted one just for it to be a shot at Vince McMahon every single time. I know the whole exalted one and the higher power with the Ministry of Darkness and that was Vince McMahon. I see the comparisons here, but... I don't know, it's starting to lose its luster if they don't go a separate route with it. But I'm okay with this for now. I hope that they do decide to switch it up a little bit. I want to see more of Brody Lee and not Brody Lee taking shots at Vince. But whatever. After this, we got a promo from Britt Baker, who was still bloody, and continued to push that new character that she has. This was a really good promo. This was not one of those promos where she's in front of the crowd, well, quote-unquote crowd, with Tony Schiavone. This was done backstage and she was still bloody from her match with Hikaru Shida and she said how Hikaru Shida had to wrestle dirty and she's just a very dirty person and vicious and how she would never do that and how Hikaru Shida's very lucky that she didn't mess up Britt Baker's teeth. But then she had to throw in and remind us all that she's a dentist by saying, and even if she did mess up my teeth, I would be able to fix them myself because I'm a dentist. So I... Do understand what they're doing here. They are trying to shove the whole dentist thing down our throats to make her a bigger heel and make us hate her even more. So it's smart. I did understand it and I liked it. After this, we're going with our third video package of the night. In a row, I mean. And we have a promo by Matt Hardy. Speaking in full Damascus broken lingo, which was awesome. He was calling the inner circle the circle that is internal. He was calling Chris Jericho le hole of the ass. <laughs> he just Matt Hardy being Matt Hardy. I love this promo. It continues to be the Matt Hardy that I knew before he went to WWE again and he was in Impact Wrestling with the whole broken brilliance. And that's like the Matt Hardy that I really enjoyed. I really loved it. And I think that this Matt Hardy in AEW is showing 
creative control because he has a grasp on the character. He's able to do what he knows he could do with the character and push it to the extent that he knows he could push it and make it work. He also then challenges Chris Jericho for the elite deletion, which is going to be a match at the Hardy Compound. Now, we've seen in the past, because we've seen it in two different companies, that these Hardy Compound matches could be very out there, but always super entertaining. I was a big fan of all the matches at the Hardy Compound in Impact Wrestling. The the K or Delete, the Final Deletion, the Great War. And then in WWE, he had the Ultimate Deletion with Bray Wyatt. So now he's going to have the Elite Deletion here in AEW. And it's going to be against Chris Jericho, which that's going to be gold. I know that's going to be amazing. I can't wait for that. I know that him and Chris Jericho have good chemistry on the mic. I know that they're going to be able to really make something work here where it could be in the cinematic shot role like they've been doing lately in other companies. And I think that who better to make this cinematic style work than the innovator of that, Matt Hardy. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's also the only time, I think, where a character had his, I guess individual match that really is unique to him in three different companies because we're going to get the same style match in impact wrestling the wwe style and in aw now and i think that that's really really awesome because no other character was able to transcend multiple companies like matt hardy as so that's really cool and i'm really looking forward to that i don't know when that will be but it should be soon Especially if they're shooting or they already shot television for the next couple months and they can't do live shows. What better way to actually fill time than have matches at the Hardy Compound? After this, we had another squash match, the second squash match of the night. We had a jobber by the name of Lee Johnson and he went against Brody Lee, the exalted one. I'm a little confused on the placement of this match. I feel like that should have been right after the exalted one vignette, but whatever, this match went a couple seconds Brody Lee just totally decimated Lee Johnson, as he should have, just like Lance Archer did to Allen, Angles, Angels, whatever. And then he basically left the ring, had a little stare down with Marco Stunt. Marco Stunt learned his lesson last week from Archer's match. He's not going to get in Brody Lee's way, so he backed down from that one. And yeah, that was the end of that. I do think that eventually the money match will be Lance Archer versus Brody Lee. These two guys are the hosses of the company right now, and both are being booked very similarly. Both are similar in size and have similar styles, so I think that Brody Lee versus Lance Archer is the money match in the future, but I would not do that match anytime soon, especially with both being heels. Keep building both up. Keep making them megastars, monsters, and then you have the Clash of the Titans. That's how I would do it. After this, we got our main event of the night. We have the first round quarterfinal match of the TNT tournament between Sean Spears and Cody Rhodes. Now, personally, I like their match at All Out from last year, but I definitely like this match a lot more. This was the match of the night for me for AEW. They have great chemistry together. We all know the history between Sean Spears and Cody Rhodes. We know that they go all the way back to OVW. We know last year the chair shot heard around the world when Sean Spears whacked Cody Rhodes over the head and 
gave him a bad gash in the back of his head that was just disgusting to watch. And if you're squeamish, then I don't recommend you going back and seeing that. <laughs> but yeah, these guys have great chemistry and it was a really good matchup. A great match to solidify that this title is going to mean something because this wasn't a throwaway main event match. And they just basically went balls to the wall. Like, I don't know if this was already announced that there was no DQ, but this basically was a no DQ match. They had use of a guardrail, table spots, both being Cody going through the guardrail and the table, which Cody is a masochist, I think, at this point, and loves to put his body through all this pain and crazy bumps just for the fans and to prove that he's loyal to AEW and he'll give his body to AEW. But it was a really good match. Cody at the end wins the match with a figure four, which that's not the part that I'm shocked with. The part that I'm shocked with is it wasn't a tap out victory. Sean Spears' shoulders were to the mat and he was actually pinned with the figure four. I've never seen that. I thought Sean Spears was going to kick out. We usually see if during a figure four or during a submission move, if a wrestler's shoulders are to the mat, the count starts for the pinfall, but it never actually goes to three. This time it actually went to three. So yeah, Cody Rhodes advances to the next round. He's either going to be facing Sammy Guevara or Darby Allen. That match takes place next week. But yeah, it was really interesting that finish. And I really enjoyed this match. Altogether, AEW was a solid show besides the tag match that I feel I was let down with because I didn't, like, to be honest, I didn't expect nothing from Nakazawa, but I expected a lot from the best friends and Kenny Omega. So that was a bit of a letdown. And besides that, the show was pretty decent. I enjoyed it. It was cool. (laughs) All right, so after this, I put on NXT. Now, I knew that going into this, NXT was going to have a big show, a TakeOver-style show, where some of the matches from TakeOver is going to be on this show. And the two big ones being the six-woman ladder match for the number one contendership and the Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa final battle. So going into the show, I expected a lot. And I got to say, NXT delivered... 100% on this show because they really had an amazing episode of NXT. In my opinion, this might have been the best episode of NXT, not only since they came to USA, but of all time. Because we had an amazing opening match and one hell of a final match. And by final match, I mean the final match between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. So we started the show with the six women's uh, ladder match. Which was very interesting because this could have been a main event of any show. Whether it's WWE's Raw, SmackDown, or NXT, NXT UK. It doesn't matter what show on the WWE it is. This could have been the main event. And these six women went crazy in this match. This match was pure carnage. It was everything that was hyped up to be. And I really enjoyed it. I loved that they made this match feel special. I love the fact that they really made it feel like a takeover putting on the takeover logo at the entranceway like they did last week with the Keith Lee three-way match and yeah everything about this match was just amazing to me so we had Io Shirai, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, Chelsea Green and Candice LeRae in this match with the outside interferences of I was about to say Robbie E. Uh, Robert Stone and Raquel Gonzalez. 
this was just insane. Like, I can't even, like, put into words how much crazy spots, how many times these, how many times I just, like, screamed at the top of my lungs to the TV, like, oh, my God, this is insane. Um, Mia Yim put Raquel Gonzalez through a table on the outside. It looked like she broke her in half. Oh, man. Uh, Chelsea Green's leg was all messed up. Freaking Io Shirai was just amazing in this match. She threw, not Chelsea Green, she threw Kansas LeRae from the top of a ladder to another ladder. It was just, words can't do this match justice. It was insane. At the end of the match, we had Io Shirai go over it. And I can't tell you how excited I am for Io Shirai versus Charlotte. That just... That's one of the matches where I said if Charlotte comes, I think a couple of podcasts back, I said if Charlotte comes to NXT full-time, I would love to see her get in the ring and mix it up with some of the other women in the division. And I think one of the first people I actually mentioned was Io Shirai. So Io Shirai versus Charlotte is now the match that they're going to be going with because she's the number one contender. And that's just going to be amazing. We're going to get more Charlotte on NXT. She's the NXT Women's Champion. Io Shirai said when she joined WWE that her dream match was against Charlotte. So you know she's going to put in maximum effort. And this match could main event any takeover. So I do hope that they don't just throw it on a random NXT episode. I would love if this is built to the next takeover. I would love if possible. I know this is not in their control. But if possible, if this could be held off until people could be back in the venues. Because that match has to be in front of fans. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We just just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Because I just know that they're going to go off the wall crazy. So yeah, I would love to hear the fan reaction to that match. So I'm really hoping that match is in front of fans. After this match, we got a recap of the whole history of Finn Balor and Imperium. Going all the way back to when Finn Balor was talking about what's next for him. And Imperium interrupted him. 
And then we got footage of Finn Balor showing up in NXT UK fighting Imperium. And then we actually got a match from NXT UK, which was really cool to see because it did switch up the flow of the show. It was a match that if you're not watching NXT UK on a regular basis, it was cool to have them have a match on NXT, especially for the fact that it was in front of a crowd. So it was a nice switch up from these both AEW and NXT to have a match in front of the crowd. So we have Finn Balor versus Alexander Wolf from NXT UK from a couple weeks back. And it was a really good match. Finn Balor really showing what he could do. Alexander Wolf had a good showing, but Finn Balor really decimated him here. And it was cool to see Finn Balor back on NXT, being that it was a couple weeks, maybe even a month since we've seen Finn Balor on NXT TV. So it was really refreshing to see. After this, we've seen a Killer Cross, if they're going to go with that name, Vignette. We see female hands, so I'm guessing that's Scarlett Bardot with him. I can't wait to see the Killer Cross debut. Now, let's talk about it. First of all, the name. Don't know if he's going to be able to go with Killer Cross because the word killer, I don't know if WWE wants that on a PG show. If it's up to me, he stays Killer Cross. That's just his gimmick. He fits it perfectly. Here's a guy who has such a great character and something that I've been saying for a long time is NXT needs more characters. He is a great character. He is a hell of a talker. He's a hell of a performer. And on top of that, the guy could really go in the ring. He is a great wrestler. And I think sky is the limit for this guy in NXT because he's going to stand out on that show like a sore thumb because you have a lot of bland personalities on that show. And here's a guy, like I said, whose personality is over the top. And not in a corny, cringy type way. He's very believable. From his mannerisms, his facial expressions, his vocal tones, to the tattoos on his back, you could tell that this guy is a dark character. And I can't wait to see what they do with him on NXT. So I am super excited for Killer Cross's impending debut. After this, we also got a recap of the kidnapping of Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde. I don't know where they're going to go with this. Like I said, I gave my thoughts on it last week. Go back and listen to that. I don't know if this is going to be a Dark Order style faction. I don't know if the ninjas from TNA who kidnapped Joe are back. I don't know. But they better give a payoff soon because I don't think that this is strong enough for people to really care about until, like, if you're going to stretch this here. So hopefully they give a payoff to this. After this, we had... Mike uh, Malcolm Bivens come out with his team, the Indus Sheer. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Sorry if I butchered that. They had a basic squash match, a nothing match against Everrise, which is a team from Quebec, Canada. I believe they were 3.0 back in the Indies. Uh, this was really a nothing match. This was a good squash for the team, but I really didn't care too much about it. It was really just, I guess, a time filler. After this, we had an Adam Cole promo where he's basically telling Velvety Dream how he has no chance against him. You have no chance to be the champion. And to be honest, like, I don't know. This is not a match where I think of it as the top feud or matchup that NXT could do for the NXT champion. I'm glad that this match is not going to be the main event of a takeover because it doesn't seem like we're going to have a takeover anytime soon. Because all the matches that were on takeover are going to be on these episodes of NXT. I do think that if this is going to be just an Adam Cole victory, this is a match that you give maybe 
in a couple weeks on NXT, you build up to it. You say, hey, in two, three weeks, we're going to have this match. I don't think that this has to be anything bigger than that. Unless that they do want to go with Velveteen Dream as the guy to dethrone Adam Cole. Which, in my opinion, I don't agree with. Nothing against Velveteen Dream. I don't think he's ready to be world champion at the point at this point in his career. And I think Adam Cole is still cooking with the belt. And I think that he's doing great with the championship. So, I don't know. I don't know if you take the belt off Adam Cole at this moment. But... I do think that we need to see Velveteen Dream versus Adam Cole soon because this is going to feel like they're trying to stretch something. I want them to give us this match already because I want to see where both these guys go after this match. I don't look at this as the top world championship feud in NXT right now. It's just It just doesn't feel that way to me. But speaking of championships, we had word from The Bump, a WWE Network show, that... There's going to be an interim cruiserweight championship tournament because Jordan Devlin is unable to defend the cruiserweight championship being that he's stuck in the UK at the moment. I don't know how I feel about this. No one really cared or mentioned the cruiserweight championship until now. And I don't know. It wasn't like people were like, oh, we need more cruiserweight championship matches on NXT. And then to have two cruiserweight champions until this whole shut out and travel ban is done i don't know it just seems like hey we need a title tournament because AEW has a title tournament but whatever i'm sure that's not what they were thinking i'm not saying that they're copying AEW here but that's just how it feels being that there's going to be two title tournaments going on simultaneously on two channels on wednesday nights but whatever then after this we got a recap of ray ripley and charlotte now i want to actually talk about this so the match at wrestlemania i think was probably the best match that was on night two of WrestleMania. Charlotte and Ray Ripley had really good chemistry with each other. They matched up really well and they had a great matchup. Like I said in the past, no matter what, NXT is the true winner here because whether Charlotte won or lost, NXT looks strong. Charlotte wins, you have a superstar to the caliber of the top female in the WWE, Charlotte Flair, coming to NXT, holding their title, bringing prestige to that brand. It does feel like a third brand when you have a star like Charlotte Flair on it. Now, if Charlotte lost, Rhea Ripley could have said, hey, she's the female that beat Charlotte. She's the future. People going to tune in because, hey, who's this female that beat Charlotte? I want to see more of her. We'll see her on NXT. I think the right decision was made. I would love to see a rematch between these two. I don't know if we're going to get that anytime soon. There's a lot of rumors out there about... Uh, I guess work visas for Ray Ripley. People saying she has to get go back to Australia to figure that out. And right now, being the whole coronavirus shutdown, I don't think they're giving out work visas. Everything is shut down at the moment. So I don't know what the technical politics of all this is right now. But I do know somewhere down the line, I really want to see a rematch between these two just for the fact that it was a wonderful match. But I am extremely happy that Charlotte Flair is going to be on NXT more often. And like I said earlier, her versus Io Shirai just sounds phenomenal. So I'm really happy about that. Now, after this, we got what was a cinematic showdown between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. This was billed to be their final battle, this final fight. They call it the final beat because you have the Rebel Heart versus the Black Heart and Heartbeats, and it was a kind of corny. I'd rather you just call it the final battle between Gargano and Ciampa. But when they started 
to show that this match is next, I look at the time and I'm like, yo, there's an hour left of the show. They're going to go a full hour. This gave me flashbacks because I knew this was going to be very similar to Edge and Randy Orton. And that match went almost like 45 minutes. And to be honest, it became like a snooze fest after a while, which no disrespect to them. It just, it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, they went, I guess you would say an hour here. And for everything that the Edge and Randy Orton match should have been, this match was. This match felt like these two really hated each other. From the start of them entering this like warehouse facility, I don't know if it was the Performance Center, but it was this warehouse-looking thing. Triple H being there, telling them, hey, after I leave, you guys start, but it ends here. It ends in the ring. This is it. It's over after this. And from the moment that Triple H walked out that door, they just went off on each other and I don't even know like I can't even go through all the spots on this because I'd be here all night I think going through the spots would be longer than the actual match because they fit so much in in this hour from brawling to the outside brawling outside of the venue brawling on top of a truck which I necessarily didn't like too much because the brawling on top of the truck was just seen a couple nights ago at Wrestlemania between Edge and Randy Orton so I was like ugh it kind of feels like the same thing, but this was more in a cinematic way with better camera views. There was like a, a drone camera view, kind of like they would do at a hard compound match that we had here that saw a really nice overhead shot of Gargano and Ciampa on top of the truck. We didn't get that with Edge and Randy Orton. So that felt different. I like the little nods to the storyline, like the crutch being the same crutch that Johnny Gargano got hit with thousands of times in this whole feud with Tommaso Ciampa, the same crutch that he had when he tore his ACL. It was nice that they used that in the match. I like that they tore the ring apart, exposing the boards, showing how dangerous that they were willing to get. And I really enjoyed the ending where Candice LeRae basically turned heel and helped her husband beat Tommaso Ciampa. They double-crossed well not double-crossed but they kind of like swerved Ciampa in a way she was looking to I guess get Gargano pity so she's she's over here saying she hates her husband are you happy Ciampa and Ciampa looks like crap like I didn't mean to tear up a marriage so he looks like remorseful he looks like he wants to just end this and he's basically telling Gargano I'm sorry and then you got Candice LeRae come behind him and give him a low blow which was like oh crap and then because earlier, to show like she's mad or hates Gargano, she low-blowed Gargano, but Gargano exposed that he had a cup. So it really didn't affect him. This was great storyline development. I think this was a great way to end it, and I really enjoyed this match. This really did feel like the final battle. For everything that, all the crap that I gave the storyline going into this thing that I'm not interested in another match between these two, I gotta say, they blew me away. My expectations were not there, and... They really, really set the bar high. I think that out of the whole week from WrestleMania to now, all these cinematic matches that we've seen on WWE, I think that this was the best one. I would put this over the Boneyard match with AJ and Taker. I'm putting this over the Firefly Funhouse match by a thousand yards, a million yards. And I think that they really showed how to do this properly. Gargano and Champa is now over. I really wonder where they're going to go with both guys because now this is the last time that they could touch. So where do you go from here? Does one of them leave? 
does Ciampa go to Raw or SmackDown, which I doubt because he already said in the past that he wants to stay in NXT or he'll retire. Does Gargano move on or do they just separate and don't touch? We'll see. Something that was very interesting was at the end here, we've seen a full walkout of Gargano and Candice LeRae where they're leaving the warehouse wherever they were wrestling and get into a car. And as they pass another car, we see a glimpse of Killer Cross and Scarlett Bardot in the car looking through the window. I really hope that this is some type of foreshadowing to a Killer Cross versus Tommaso Ciampa feud because I think those two guys would tear it down. And they would have great chemistry with each other, being that they're both, like, psychotic. It would be insane. But yeah, NXT, really amazing show. I'm giving it four out of five stars. I really enjoyed it. It was my show of the week. AEW was good, but NXT was just a whole new level. It felt like a takeover. I know I say that a lot, but this really felt like a takeover because we had takeover matches. We had... An amazing main event that get, went over an hour and didn't even feel like it was dragging. It really felt like, even at the end, I was like, oh man, it's, it's finished? Because I was just thoroughly enjoying it. I really enjoyed it. Some final thoughts on NXT. It was really good to hear Mauro Ranello back. He did commentary by himself, which he doesn't really need partners. It's always good to hear Nigel and Beth Phoenix, but he doesn't really need anybody. So it was very Joey Styles-esque. It was really good to hear him back. It's been a couple weeks, especially after last week we had Sam Roberts, which totally sucked in my opinion. I'm not a fan of Sam Roberts, so really refreshing to hear Mar Ranello back. NXT's doing amazing. This is three weeks in a row where they have great shows, and they're firing on all cylinders. Now, we'll see if they could keep the momentum. I'm really excited to see next week. And on the other side, I'm really excited to see AEW because we're going to get more TNT title tournament matches and we're going to also see the world title match between John Moxley and Jake Hager. So a lot to look forward to next week. I hope everyone continues to stay safe, stay healthy, stay positive, and have a great week. Thanks for listening. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.